We're almost at the end of a series that I've called Handle with Care. It's all about relationships. The last three weeks uh, ending today, I've specifically focused on love and dating. And I'm going to finish that piece up today. Next week, I want to make sure that you're here because I'm going to spend the last week of the series uh, talking about what, is the, what does the Bible have to say? What does God have to say uh, as he speaks into uh, the, the process of us aging and of us caring for people who are aging? I want you to tell the person next to you, just tell the person next to you, just say, uh, uh, I'm sorry to inform you. Tell them just but you are aging. You're aging. <laughs> Everybody stand it. Everybody stand it. I know it's a shock. I know it's a shock. <laughs> We're all aging. We're all aging. Uh, let's read together John 15, 12. And uh, we, we're just going to read it together. Come on, let's read. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Lord, uh, help us internalize this as we seek to follow you uh, as your disciples. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So on this last day where I want to talk about love and dating, I just want to remind you that I'm really talking to a variety of audiences from those who are in, those who are in high school, from high school to graduate school, trying to figure out how to handle this thing of called love and dating. I'm talking to uh, young single adults who've never been married. I'm talking to older adults who were once married, but because of divorce or the decease of a loved one, now you're in your 60s or 70s or late 50s, and you're thinking about uh, entering that scary arena called dating again. And I'm talking to... Um, those of you who are married, because I'm just convinced if you put these practices uh, in motion, it will help your marriage move to the next level. But I've got my daughter here, and I'm thinking about my son. So in particular, for me, I'm thinking about this in terms of what I want to say to my 15-year-old and my 28-year-old when it comes to this notion of love dating. Now, this passage that we read, Jesus is talking, and in it he lays down a, a, a radical paradigm for those who would be his followers that totally revolutionizes how we think about uh, love and relationships and dating. He says, uh, love each other the way that I have loved you. And then the next day he's crucified and a couple of days later, he's raised from the dead. And the people around him say, oh, my God. Okay, we, that's what he means. Everybody shout, agape. Agape. The actual word here that he's referring to is agape. You've heard me say before, it means self-sacrificing, other accommodating, freely giving, serving, without strings attached kind of love. Here's how I want to summarize it. Agape love is prioritizing the other. That's a revolutionary thought in a capitalistic, market-driven world where everything starts and begins with thinking about me. There's a story that was written in uh, the late 1920s. It's called The Gifts of the Magi, written by a fellow by the name of O. Henry. 
And it's a short story, but fascinating. It, the story opens up with a young woman named uh, uh, Della, Deliah, D- Della, excuse me, who uh, is crying because she had been trying to save all year money to buy her husband a Christmas gift. It's the night before Christmas. She saved up a dollar and 83 cents. And her husband owns a beautiful pocket watch that his father gave him and his father's father passed down to each generation. But the pocket watch has a terrible chain on it, a very cheap chain, and her husband uh, does not uh, want to show the pocket watch in public. So she's trying to figure out how to buy him a precious chain. The story goes on, she's looking in the mirror and she lets down her hair. Her hair comes down to below her knees and it's such, such a so precious of her hair and then she gets a thought she runs down the street and she has her hair cut off and she sells her hair and she gets just enough to buy the chain she runs back home and that evening when her husband comes in she greets him at the door she pulls over her hat she says listen I've cut my hair I know you don't just love me for my hair and, 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 and in addition to that The reason I did it was I wanted to buy you this precious gift. Her husband is shocked. He takes the gift and he opens it, and it's a beautiful chain for his watch. He is so stunned that he sits in the seat. She says, what's wrong? He says, the only thing I can do to explain this is, here, open your gift the night before Christmas. She opens the gift. And there's two beautiful combs that are decorated with precious jewels that she had been looking at for months but just knew that she could never afford them, never thought that she would own them. And here it is. He has purchased them for her. She says, how could you afford to do this? He says, I sold my watch. Now on one level... It's kind of like, it feels a little sad. I mean, she ends up with no hair. He ends up with no watch. (laughs) But when you look deeper, it is a beautiful and moving story of love where they took the most precious thing they had and they prioritized the other. Uh, That's the kind of guy I want my daughter to marry. That's the kind of son I want my man, I want my son to be. Uh, uh, Those are the kind of people that I'm hoping you're looking for in dating because that is the greatest expression of agape love, lasting love, genuine love, transformative love, love that brings the best out of you and offers you the best. Shout agape. what Jesus points to when he says love each other the way I have loved you prioritize the other so last week we started working through uh, 1 Corinthians 13 Paul who takes that Jesus principle and he applies it and we learn some things about this agape love and and so as as I work through this certainly one of the questions you ought to be asking is uh, how do I know I'm falling in love with the right person how do I know 
Another question we all should be asking is, how do I know that I'm actually becoming the right person? Everybody shout, becoming. How do I know I'm becoming the right person? And so Paul says uh, that these are, the, these are the characteristics that you want to look for. These are the things that ought to be on your short list, if you will, to evaluate yourself and evaluate others. Number one, he says, agape love. Now he says, everybody shout agape. He's not talking about Holocaust romance love. He's not talking about the, 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 the you know, the, the, the you and my chemistry mixed up kind of love. Agape love, the greatest love, he says. First of all, it's patient, which means it doesn't quit and, and, and it doesn't pressure. Secondly, he says it's kind, which means it, it's, it's first and foremost considerate of others and it, 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 it has great joy in blessing others. And then it says, here's some things that it's not. It's not jealous or envious. It's, it doesn't boast. It's not proud. In other words, it's not arrogant, which means that, 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 that if you're in a relationship with someone who agapes you, that, that, that they don't mind putting you center stage and, and making, letting the conversation be about you and your accomplishments and publicly celebrating you. That, that if you're in a relation with somebody who agapes you or if you agape them, then, then, then you're the kind of person who's always uh, uh, interacting in such a way as to honor them, not dishonor them. This agape love never dishonors. Last week after one of the gatherings, a young woman came up to me and she said, Pastor, she said, uh, it's a fabulous message. I like the teaching you're saying that I'm supposed to love uh, with an agape love that, that, that prioritizes the other, that, that gives and serves the other. She said, but what do I do if my boyfriend is not like that? I said, wow, good question. And then I thought about something I heard Andy Stanley say some time ago, and so I put it in notes here today, and I told her right on the spot, I said, listen, here's what... And Stanley says in response to that, if you have somebody in your life that you are giving, 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 and they are simply taking, 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 then you need to run, 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 run. <laughs> Everybody shout, run, baby, run. Don't hang around, don't hang around, don't hang around. With one exception, shout exception. I talked a little bit about this last week, but I just wanted, uh, because somebody says, well, you know, maybe she has a little bit of this and a little bit of this, but I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe if we work on it, maybe we can grow into it. Uh, how do I know it's worth investing my time in this person? Uh, uh, how might this person discern it's worth investing their time in me? Because I need to grow. What's, what's, what's the one thing that will, will, will help me to figure this out? And the one thing that will help you figure this out is really capturing the word humility. Everybody shout humility. To be humble. You know, Jesus in Philippians 2, 8, you know, I said it last week. It's a wonderful text. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. Became obedient to death, even to death on the cross. Now, let me just say you something about this text. The opposite of humility is insecurity, not arrogance. It's insecurity. In other words, 
If you don't know who you are, or if you think you're worth nothing, it's hard for you to be humble, right? Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was the son of God. He knew that, 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 that he was equal to God in deity, as the verse said earlier. He knew that he had lived a fully righteous life. And so it was because he knew who he was, it was possible. He, he, he had no issues with humbling himself to take upon himself our wrongs as a means of our salvation. Here's a very important insight you need to get. If you don't know who you are, if you think you're not worth anything, you should not be dating. That's right. Because if you don't know who you are and you get out there dating, other people will define you. You need to step back until you can figure out, who am I in the eyes of Jesus? And come to terms with that. So, humility. Here's how you know if the person is humble. Here's how you know if you're humble. Are you able to say, I was wrong? I don't mean after two hours of fighting and finally they get you to a point where you say, oh, okay, I was wrong. I mean, initially, can you just say, I messed up. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. That's the expression of humility. Are you able to say, I don't know how to do this. Can you, can you help me? I need some help. Can you teach me? Can you coach me? If the person that you're engaging with can see that in you, then they can make the judgment. She or he is teachable. We can grow together. You know, I told you all last weekend, my wife says, uh, you know, it's taken her 33 years to train me. Finally, right? What she means is, I was teachable. And the same is true in reverse. I mean, teachable, meaning that, 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 that I, was, I, I learned what it meant and how to love her. And the same in reverse. 33 years, she was teachable. She has learned what it means, how to love me. How we serve one another. But it comes from a place of being humble. If I shout humble. That's the key. Now, the text also says, watch this, a godly love is not self-seeking. Shout, self-seeking. So let me turn it around. Seeking self, seeking self, focused on, on me. He says, a godly love, don't you remember I gave, it, it, it prioritizes us. It's not self-seeking. So two quick insights that speaks directly into our current culture. First insight is, if you are divorced or your spouse has been deceased and you're trying to figure out how long should you wait before you start dating again. And while there's no legal rule around this, I think most therapists and counselors would say at least a year. A year because it takes you minimum a year to pass through all of the first without that person. And all of that's important to grieve properly. And if you would dare jump into another relationship without grieving properly, then the likelihood of you making a huge mistake goes way up. 
because you're prone to be seduced and manipulated. It's the same with somebody just broke up from a, 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 a long relationship. Uh, and you broke up three weeks ago. And you don't dive back into something deep. You got to step out and figure out who you are. So, so in this case, it's not self-seeking. You want to be careful of self-soothing. Uh, the therapist says, the first thing you need to do if you're trying to consider when should I start dating, you need to ask yourself this question. Why do I want to start dating? And if the answer to that question is because I need to soothe my hurt, I need to soothe my pain, I need to soothe my loneliness, that's exactly why you should not be dating. You need a therapist. You need to do the work. Process the work. Work that through. Okay, so that's for that. That's if you're trying to get back. Now, everybody shout, not self-seeking. That is a direct contradiction to this hookup culture. Now, I'll wait for a few moments to let you get that. Because she's like, some of you are thinking, he didn't say what I thought he said. Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, let's say it together. Shout, hookup culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible teaches us that, 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 that the, the proper place for sexual interaction is, is in the confines of marriage. And yet there are a lot of folk who will choose not to do that. But there used to be a time when they would say, but, but, but at least I'm going to wait till the third or fourth date. Today, because of Tinder and all these other kind of apps and the shift in the culture, uh, uh, people are, they're flipping right or flipping left, whichever direction they're flipping, and and they say, meet me over so-and-so, and you meet them over there, and you have a hookup, that's casual sexual encounter, and you say, oh, off to the next rendezvous. Now, I know I got to have people in here thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Paul has something to say about that. The same one who writes uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Look at what he says in chapter 6, verse 12. Here's what he says. And I really want our young people to listen to this because some of you have not been told this. You have no idea about this, about why you should not be participating in casual sex. Here's what he says. You say, he's quoting what was regularly said in the culture, I'm allowed to do anything. You guys know this, right? You've heard people say, I'll do anything that I'm big and bad enough and grown enough to do as long as it's legal. Leave me alone. Paul said, well, okay. Because you really, you know, you're not saved by law. You're saved by grace. He says, but not everything is good for you. Tell the person next to you, just because you can do it doesn't mean it's good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything that's within legality, I must not become a slave to a hookup app. Oh, did you see that in the text? (laughs) A slave to anything. So what do you mean? What he's suggesting is, now I'm going to tell you about casual sex. I'm going to make the point that it's, it's destructive to you. It's harmful to you. So how we do that? Go to verse 16. Look at what he says in verse 16. He says, he says, don't you realize that if a man or a woman joins, everybody shout joins, 
as a Greek word beneath that, I'll talk about it in a minute, himself to a prostitute. In Paul's day, in the city of Corinth, they had temple prostitutes, and then they had uh, uh, other kind of area prostitutes. They had men prostitutes and women prostitutes. And so that was casual sex, right? He says, so don't you realize that when you join yourself to another in casual sex, he or she becomes, shout, one body. One body with the person that you join. For the scripture says, the two are united into one. Now, the word joins in the Greek it's a special word. It means cemented. That, 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 that when you sexually engage with another, you cement yourself uh, now, uh, physiologically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. Now, here's one of the greatest tricks that culture plays on you. They've tried to dumb sex down so low that it feels like that sex is simply an exchange of bodily parts and bodily fluids. It's just physiological with some ecstasy attached to it. Well, it's not. It, 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 it has a, first of all, guys, we know it has a psychological impact on us, right? Because, because those of you who are like hitting and quitting and moving, every time you come out of the episode, you come out feeling like, I'm a man. I'm bad. You know, you had a psychological hit. Yes, right? Women, on the other hand, you're usually more in tune to the damage that it does. Because sexually, it means that you're actually taking somebody inside of your person. Uh, the other night, uh, I was watching Judge Judy again. <laughs> My wife forces me to watch Judge Judy because that's what she watches it is amazing what you can learn about human circumstances watching Judge Judy. I think I'm going to do a series on Judge Judy at some point. <laughs> it's incredible. Wow. So anyway, this couple, they come see Judge Judy. It's a guy and a girl. And the guy explains that he wants this woman to pay for the destruction that she left in his place. Just says, why? So the guy explains, he says, for the last three, four, five months, we've been hooking up. She come over to my place, we hook up, I cook a little dinner for her, we hook up, she goes. Said, he said, I told her, I'm not up for a real relationship. Don't talk about love. I, I just want to hook up with you. Now, if you're cool with that, it's cool. But science tells us, even today, social scientists will tell us even today, that the average woman who participates in a hookup does so because she's looking for a long-term relationship. It's part of how the anatomy. Now, there is a group of women out there, I'm sure, that says, I can be a bigger dog than the guys. So, I, I just want my daughter to know that equality of the sexes does not mean that women should outdog men. Somebody ought to say amen. It, it, it means that you are a better version of humanity. You're better than that. Now, so I know there's some folk who fit that. Now, so he said, and he's indignant. He said, so it was cool. We were having a good time. Until one night, she told me, She's falling in love with me. 
And I said, what? I done told you for months that that's not going to happen here. And she started trying to explain how she loves me. That intimate bonding, the cementing, because you become one, not just physiologically, but psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. And she's in touch with it, right, because of, of, of her context. And, 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 and he, he says, no, you need to get out of here. And he puts her out, indignant. Do y'all know some guys like that? Don't raise your hand. Listen. <laughs> and then, uh, so she says, uh-uh. You're not going to treat me like a piece of merchandise and then just throw me away. And so she just went off and she started squeaking ketchup all over the place and tearing up stuff and took a knife, cut the carpet, the car, all that stuff, cut all up. Uh, uh, and so he's taking her to court. He's indignant. Look what this woman has done. I want to be reimbursed for the damage she's caused to my apartment. But the damage she caused in his apartment was merely a reflection of the damage he's caused in her life. So, at the end of the day, because sex is cementing us, the two shall become one, physically, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually, it impacts both parties. Usually it takes men a while. And so, at some point, the fella meet somebody he actually wants to love. After he's laid, left a lot of hurt in the past. And, and then he says, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't connect. She's perfect for me. And read my eye. See this here. Everybody say, sex. No, no, you can say it's, it's written big. I know it's one time you can say it real loud in the church. Everybody, come on, let's, 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 let's say it loud. Sex! Sex, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that whenever you have sex, according to Paul, what he says is, you see minute, you become one with that person. That's in your hookup. And then you get up and exit. You go to the next. And when you do that, this happens to you emotionally, spiritually, physically. And, and then you move out and you move to the next. This happens to you emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. And then you move to the next and this happens to you. Right? And it creates insecurity and inability to trust. And there's all kinds of psychological and spiritual stuff that starts to happen to you. Because, you know, you, you, you've been... And the, and the guy says, well, I don't know. How come I can't connect? Well, you, you, you can't connect because you left a piece of yourself there and a piece of yourself there, piece of yourself there, piece of yourself there, piece of yourself over there. And Paul ends by saying in verse 19 and 20, he says, man, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Lord, that the Spirit of God lives in your body. He's talking to Jesus followers now. In other words, he's saying, don't you know your body is sacred? And then he says, uh, uh, for you have been bought, verse 19 and 20, you have been bought with a price. And so what, 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 what ends up saying, so you must honor God with your body. That's for Jesus followers. But even if you're not religious, doesn't it make sense to you that your body is sacred? 
Shouldn't you pay attention to how you handle your body? So, Paul is right. Still today, the safest, best expression of sex is inside the bounds of marriage. And even then, it's not guaranteed, but it's the best we got. Because there's mutual commitment. Hmm? Love, agape love, is not self-seeking. Thinks of the other. Actually, he says, agape love is not easily angered. Uh, uh, James says in 119, he says, uh, very easily, it says, uh, I, I like it, he says, uh, understand, brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Fascinating. And, and when you, uh, let me tell you a quick story. A few weeks ago, I did something, messed up really, really bad. Don't ask what I did, it's not your business. <laughs> but I called my wife, and I said, baby, girl, I really messed up. She said, what you done now? And so I started to lay out. I said, you know, I did X, Y, and Z, and, you know, and I should have been paying attention, and I wasn't. And as a result of that, it cost us a whole lot of extra money than what it should have. And, and, and I just said, look, it was completely my fault. I am so sorry. I said, you know, next time, if this happens again, you know, this is what I'm going to do, X, Y, and Z. But I just want you to know I'm terribly sorry. There's no excuse for what I did. My wife's response to me in that process was to say, baby, we'll work it through. Don't worry about it. Now, that's after 33 years of marriage. Had this happened 33 years ago, <laughs> but more than likely because I would not have done what I did because I wasn't mature enough and humble enough 33 years ago. Guys and everybody, listen up. Notice what I did. Number one, I took initiative. She didn't have to find out about it and come talk to me about it. Right? Number two, I owned my stuff. Shout, own your stuff. I, I said it's my fault. Uh, you know, this and this and this. Might have, but at the end of the day, it's all on me. I just own my stuff. Number three, I expressed that, that I understood the impact on the family. Way more money than what we should have been spending. And number four, I said, next time this happens, I've thought about it. Here's what I'm going to do differently. And she responds, we'll work it through. Because most of the things we people fight about, is you miss those steps. You don't do that. Now, had she, on the other hand, cursed me out, stopped talking to me for three days, then I would have been de-incentivized, ladies, to do the very thing that you hope the person does. It's not easily angered. Behind that word is the word stirred. It means, you know, it's like what somebody says, push your buttons. I'm pushing somebody's buttons right now. So just keep looking at me with a smile, but I know I'm pushing the buttons. <laughs> then thirdly, it says, it doesn't keep records. 
Agape does not keep record, does not keep score. In other words, he's saying agape love models itself after what God, how God hard handles us. Look at one of my favorite texts. Look at, uh, uh, what is it, Isaiah 53, 25. Here, look, look what God says. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins, watch this, for my own sake. Here's what he's saying. That, that, that when I forgive you, I'm not going to keep the record in front of me so I can keep reminding you of what you did. I'm going, for my sake, I'm going to move it out of the way and just bury it. Why? Because I want to make sure that I give you enough space, come on now, to live out your potential rather than locking you into your past. And, and, and out your sins for my own sake. And watch this. And so I will never think of them Again, in other words, God says, I'm making a decision to tear it up and do away with it. And so for some of you, some of you guys may have been thinking about it a few moments ago, you forced, uh, you know, someone you love into abortion. Or some of the women may be thinking about you made a, you know, you made a choice you wish you could have made differently. And here's what you got to hear. This wonderful thing that, that, the, that the God says, look, if you can just own your stuff and be honest about it. Look, come to me. This is what I say to you. I brought out your sins for my own sake and I will never think of them again. And so if it's bothering you, it's not me. Come on now. It's that you haven't figured out how to forgive yourself because I've done it. Provided you've come clean with him in the first place. So, when you keep score, it's a power move. Everybody shout, power move. You're holding something over somebody. So at the end of the day, he says, uh, love protects, love trusts, love hopes, love perseveres. And what he's saying is, love is actually a choice in this context. You choose. I just want to look out this word protect. Everybody shout protect. protect. To, to, to protect. It says that agape love always chooses to protect. So if there's pornography that has worked its way into your life, that, 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 that threatens your relationship, you got to get that out because, because love protects. If, 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 if he says to you that I don't like the relationship you're having with that fella uh, at work and you know it's platonic, that's not the point. The point is, he's saying it's bothering him. Therefore, uh, redraw your boundaries because that's how you honor him and protect, shall protect your relationship. Love always chooses to protect. Now, here's why I want to end. Put the thing, put the graphic up that I've got here. Last graphic. We're finished. Here's the last graphic. Here's the deal. Love is. Now, I want you to just take a screenshot of this and just mentally tell, decide in your mind when it comes to the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, um, which one of these would you just cross out and say is not important? Let's try. Let's see. Patient? Well, I think that's kind of important. You want, do you want the person to be kind? Well, I think that's kind of important. Do you want the person not to be jealous and not arrogant and honoring and selfless? Can, can you do You want to scratch in it? No, no, I think all of those are important. Well, let's look here. Uh, do, do you want them not to be easily angered and not a scorekeeper? Do, do you want them to regularly choose to protect and to trust and to hope and persevere? Well, that's what they want in your life. And when Jesus says, follow me, here's where he's leading you to. This is the character that he wants to produce in you.
And the good news is we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Give God a hand praise. Amen.